Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Black Techies Podcast. This is episode 27, and and uh, this is, of course, where black culture meets the world of technology. And uh, this week's uh, topic is absolutely pretty spot on with that with that mantra of black culture meaning technology uh today we're going to talk about how social media uh, plays in activism and and how technology and social media kind of help facilitate political discussion or really any discussion really but because of our current political climate and how how things are going and uh, how social media has kind of changed literally how we uh, how we have political discourse. I mean, our president uses it daily, <laughs> so and that's kind of a new thing now. So that's never that's never really been done before. So we're kind of going to talk about that. But before we start, let me of course introduce our uh, our mainstays in our podcast, uh, Herb and Dominique. You all there? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. We're here. How's, how, how, how's, uh, how's everything been going over there? <laughs> How's everything? Oh wait, uh, it was. Um, did you go to a TSU's uh, homecoming, Dominique? No, I actually uh, went to a party in um, uh, Atlanta. Ah, all right. I wasn't able to make. It. I haven't been to homecoming since. Like I was enrolled, so <laughs> I'm slacking. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> that was like a decade ago. Literally a decade. I'm kind, kind of, kind of sad about that. But um, but anyway, um. Let's go ahead and get started. Uh, Herb, did you want to kind of lead off on, on any opening statements of, of how technology has kind of changed how we uh, ha- have political discourse and how social media has kind of changed the game as, as far as how things are done now? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I think, uh, you know, if anybody out there that's listening to the podcast, um, you know, you can pretty much go on any social media platform, whether it's Twitter, whether it's Facebook, uh, whether it's Instagram, what have you, and you can see, um, you can see how global um, our interactions are now. And as it pertains to how we document and even know journal um, news, uh, it's a completely different ball game than even five years ago. Um, one of the things that you know we've we kind of talked about you know for this topic tonight, um, in light of you know what's been going on with our current with the current cat that's in in the Oval Office right now, and and how we um, and how we interact with each other in terms of political discourse. Are we um, talking about Cheeto Caesar? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, the orange pill Il Duce, that dude. Yeah. Um, essentially, um, social media has been a has been a double-edged sword of of sorts when it comes to um, the civility of our discourse and um, just how how quickly things become polarized in terms of our opinions and, and finding common ground with each other. Um, it's also become a medium for folks that would ordinarily not have a voice um, to have a pretty strong one. And I know, you know, uh, myself, you know, all of us that are on this panel tonight are black men. 
and um, you know, at some point in our experience with law enforcement, we've had one of those moments where, um, you know, something being posted to social media might actually save somebody's life, or might actually, you know, be a tool or vehicle to, you know, to document something that was done not done the right way. So, it's um it's really changed how we perceive each other and we how we perceive how we perceive others you know it's a uh, and um it's hard to say where it's going to go from here you know i know for for us as black folks it's you know it's a it's a powerful tool but at the same time it's something that you know has just as so much ability to be misused as it is being used for good so let me kind of uh uh, jumping in a, a little bit. So when it comes to how social media is, is, is kind of been used, uh, like you said, it's, it's, we've been able to use it to kind of kind of highlight things that might, or, might not have been highlighted before. Um, I think of, you know, the recent, the recent uh, cases with uh, Philando Castile and uh, Mike Brown, like all, all of the, the issues with police brutality and all of that stuff. I wonder if it would have been as much of a fervor if, you know, someone didn't, you know, whip out their phone and take a, uh, you know, take a picture or, uh, or like live stream it or something or, or uh, capture it on video. Like that kind of stuff. You know, the fact that you can just take your phone out and just immediately record or even just stream it. It's a lot of people who just immediately stream it to Facebook or something like that. Or, uh, and then now the whole world can look at what's happening and there's there's no way for their uh, at least there shouldn't be a way for any kind of misdoings by the police or anyone in power if they know that a camera is being trained on them. So I wonder if just the the proliferation of so. yeah right right. So I mean I, I wonder if the proliferation of cell phones of smartphones and like that you know basically every smartphone has a camera on it and now you can just whip it out and you know have a instant world star so like not only that um i think that also just the fact that you know you got your lte where you can actually like stream video and upload video and just you can do whatever you're doing where you are uh including get your news right you don't have nobody nobody has to have a, a big tv in their house anymore a lot of people that have them don't even use them. They, they'll have a big old TV and it'll be off while they are watching something on their iPad in their bed, you know. Uh, I think that just the fact that we're, we're getting most of our news, most Americans get most of their news from Facebook. Or Twitter. Uh, which is sad, but, you know, yeah, Facebook or Twitter, which is sad, but, you know, it's, it's, what it, it's the way things are. And, you know, we're trying to turn um, Mark Zuckerberg into some kind of government official or something just because he, you know, created a platform that people are, are misusing now. But I don't know that that's his role, his place. I don't, I don't know that that's something that he needs to be doing. Um, but just like I said, that, I think that just the access that we have to information and, uh, you know, technology is a big part of, you know, why technology is so important. Uh, to the way that we discuss political activities and it's all big. So. Well, I think um, 
Yeah, I think Dominique has a, you know, I think Dominique has a really good point um, in terms of just how the, how much the game has changed in terms of um, how our interactions go. I mean, I know, um, you know, I know the makeup of our panel, for example. Dave is, um, Dave is a, con you know, is more conservative in nature. Um, I'm more liberal in nature, and Dominique is. Um, Dominique, <laughs> but um, I think the one thing that I've found in and working, you know, with the techies, is that you know, regardless of, of differences, you know, we have a really good rapport when it comes to technology, and you know, we have a really good love for it, and that's something that, um, regardless of how you feel about, you know, whatever, you know, whatever topic is out there, you can. You know, you can really come and find a middle ground if you, you know, if you have a love for something that is, um, that doesn't, that kind of transcends that. And I think one of the things that is a really bothersome thing to observe when we see a lot of the discourse that's taking place is that there is no middle ground. There is no well, thing. To, I mean, sorry to cut you off, but to I think that part of that is the reason, like, everything is so polarized now, and also because of all these advanced algorithms whose job is just to get you to click on their thing, we've been able to, like, create all these just massive echo chambers where if I'm, I'm sure everybody, all of our timelines look the same, we could all have the same 150 friends, and all of our feeds on Facebook would be different because... It just depends on what you click on, and then Facebook says, "Oh, he likes this stuff." No, he he really believes that uh, Trump's a good guy, so we're gonna show him more stuff that 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 reinforces that. You know what I mean? And so, what, because we're not objective, because nobody goes, and it's hard, especially because the right wing. You know, I know I'm biased when I say that, but the right wing media is is like not even trying to speak in fact now. Uh, it's just a propaganda machine, and so it's hard for me to go find some. I want to see the other side, right? I want to go look at uh, what is what do the conservatives say about this issue? But it's all all they seem to be is anti Barack Obama, and that's not a stance. That's an anti stance, and and uh, that that's that's a it's a problem for me. And so I, I think that you know if we could find if we could if the the conservatives that are not nuts could like start speaking fact and start coming up with a way to share their side and, and so we can have discourse because there's no discourse anymore it's really just everybody yelling at each other and nobody comes to any middle ground we don't even try to find middle ground anymore it's all bad um and so i i you know i think that's the part of the problem it's kind of ironic though right i mean that's like it's like it's a double-edged sword. Like you have, you have this ability to instantly, you know, follow, you know, anyone you want on on Twitter, and you can, like, you have the ability to seek out sources and and news sites, news uh, articles that are from a different perspective. But the problem is, we don't do that. Like we we a lot of people even myself I mean everyone has some case of a confirmation bias where it's like if we see things that we agree with we'll automatically like share it or like it or something and I mean I'm guilty of doing the same thing and I mean I try to make a point to like if I see something that uh if I see a meme or something even if it's a meme I agree with 
in principle, like I I usually try to go to Google and like try to fact check it just to see if it's right because I don't like sharing things that's not true, <laughs> even if I would agree with the sentiment. Right. So like like yeah, for example, everybody I give, would just do that. Right, right. I like I'll give you an example. If, if I saw a meme that said like, all right, I, I in full transparency, I'm more of a pro life guy, right? So if I saw something that said, you know, women kill like. 10 million babies a year like okay <laughs> like i would i wouldn't or you know I, they would have 10 million abortions a year that now that might you know for a conservative person that's pro-life that might sound of course that's what they do but in reality that's not what the truth is <laughs> like the numbers don't say that so i would you know i'll go and look at our right, what are the actual studies on abortion st- st- statistics right so like i wish that there was a way for now now to be fair i think facebook has been trying to kind of show other and google i think is doing this too um so if you go to google news uh you can you can actually see uh like they'll have articles that are fact checked they'll have like a fact check little section uh beneath the article so you don't have to you know necessarily go search for it so you can see it right there in line with the with the article so i think that i mean i think some of them are realizing after the 2016 election and all the, the meddling from the russians and stuff that even though i like dominique said i don't think they have a responsibility to necessarily censor people per se but they do have a responsibility to at least try to uh make sure that the articles people are sharing aren't actually are actually true or you know what what is the truth of this article like so i do like the fact how does one do that well i mean there are some things you can prove true like if president trump says something if he makes some kind of claim that this demographic if he you know if he says mexicans are responsible for a large number of rape and murders in the united states you can look those numbers up from the FBI and, and say, no, that's not true. So there is a way to, at least for something like that, something that, that you can have empirical evidence to disprove something, it, you you know, you could do that. So, I mean, it's, but then again, even if right, you have that, that doesn't mean that people be? are going to believe mean, it anyway. Like a, do they hide? Well, that's true because there's people that believe the earth is flat and they believe it with their whole <laughs> <Right>. soul. <laughs> well, I think one of the things that we have to kind of remember when we um, when we talk about how discourse has gotten or how bad it's gotten is that um, you're always going to have a certain demographic that's going to be at the very extreme end of the spectrum in terms of belief and in terms of what that means for their interaction on social media. Um, it's been a bad thing because those guys, you know, have had a platform to essentially, um, to essentially, you know, put those beliefs on display and try to, you know, campaign them, campaign for them to be normalized. Unfortunately for, you know, this particular dude that's in office now, you know, the rhetoric that he's engaged in has, has had consequences. And that con- one of those consequences has been, you know, that extremist type of behavior being normalized, or rather being I don't want to acceptable. It seems acceptable. Yeah. You know what's happened this week? Uh, you know, with the shootings in the synagogue and 
you know, this, this, you know, this maroon going into Kroger and targeting black folk and, the you know, <laughs> we've seen those bombs. We, I mean, even in the DC area, not, you know, like maybe a year and a half or so ago, we had, you know, some dude that, um, that came here and, and essentially, you know, stuck up a Comet pizza joint, you know, because he read someplace on Alex Jones Infowars that, you know, uh, Hillary Clinton had some sort of low-key child child trafficking ring in a pizza joint. You know, it's 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 incredible. It's you know, it sounds very outlandish, but it's really it's it's crazy and it's very. My, my question is though, how what? So I, I hear what you're saying, right? You're saying that these these moder these uh, corporations, Facebook and Twitter and all that, they have a responsibility to like do some vetting, right? But how does that work when I can post whatever I want to post? How do well, they then determine? Because you know, is that somebody who they they have a whole department, of a thousand employees of people who just check every post for accuracy? You know. Well, I mean, that's kind of, that's where it's getting to, and that's kind of what I'm getting at is that, you know, the nature of, the nature of social media is so interactive, and it's so you know, it's so real time that you almost have to be very proactive in terms of being able to foresee those things, which, you know, most folks on, you know, social media platforms, you know, by admission are not, you know, they've designed the platforms for, you know, the ultimate in terms of interconnectivity and to be able to share things and, in, in very real time scenarios. Um, yeah. But when, when do we put the onus and how, and how much of the onus can we not put on the user? Right, like Dave said, before he shares something, he goes and he checks the accuracy of that thing that he's sharing. And if he didn't decide to do that, then he's somebody that's out here just spreading lot. Like that's I mean, his, that's I his think, right. I mean, I think there's a. Well, I think I would. Go ahead. Go. Well, I think that kind of goes without saying. You know, honestly, you know, for me, you know, common sense. I mean, anybody that that you know is on a platform, you know, for social media. You know, to me, that's there's supposed to be an inherent responsibility to the user. You know, in other words, if you're engaging on something on Facebook, or if you're engaging on something on Twitter or Instagram, and you're posting something that you you, you have no business posting, then yeah, you're responsible for it. You're right, responsible, but you, you know, said a key thing. You said common sense would tell you that, and you know what well, they say about common sense. <laughs> well, and that's again that that brings us back to you know, to those folks that don't have common sense, and that's kind of you know that's kind of where we find ourselves at because a lot of times when we hear about those things in the news, you know, the shootings that we saw this week were tragic, and the thing about it is that the people that engage in these shootings, whether they're nationalists or or supremacists. The they, terrorists is what they are. Well, yeah, that too. Um, they have, you know, their, I mean, their task of, you know, committing those horrific acts has been made more efficient by, you know, the accessibility, you know, to social media. Yeah, I mean, just like, you know, we have, uh, you know, we have branches of, of news for CNN or or Fox or MSNBC, you know the the extremist has places like the Daily Stormer, or they have, 
you know, folks that that actually pander to that, like places like Infowars, nature. So it's one of those things that um, it's a really, you know, it's something that we have to start looking at through another prism because of the nature of the platform and also the nature of the folks that are really using the platforms to really do some really bad stuff. And I say that, um, you know, I was very fortunate, you know, back in the day, you know, during my, during my healthy on college days at Alabama state <laughs> to be able to, um, to be able to do an internship at the Southern poverty law center. And those guys, you know, they kind of predicted stuff like this in the future, uh, particularly as, you know, as things with, you know, with technology, um, advanced, you know, one of those, you know, one of their studies was just like, okay, well, you know, how are hate groups and extremist organizations going to take advantage of what's of, of technology? Because that's a, that's a more efficient vehicle for them to pass their message and to bring people into their own ranks. Um, and we're kind of seeing a lot of that come to fruition. You know, it's a really, it's a really scary thing because we like to think of platforms, you know, social media platforms and the ability to, to be global in our, in our communications and technology as a very beneficial thing, you know, and it is, but there's a dark side to that. And, you know, what we've seen during the course of these last couple of weeks in this country and what we've seen for the last decade almost, um, as it pertains to social media and the kind of wide spectrum of use that we have, you know, is a good example of that. Yeah, I mean, I guess I think I'm getting a little deeper, but I think that it all boils down to the fact that we are in a, a largely uneducated mass, starting with the whole no child left behind. It's really a travesty how little uh, we know uh, as a country. Um, and since we don't know nothing, we believe everything. And that that's a, you know, that's a, probably a topic for another day, but it's just it, like, it seems like a problem that doesn't have a, an answer. I mean, it's, it's, well, I mean, it's kind of hard to, it's kind of hard to have an answer because I mean, with the internet, I mean, anyone can say anything. I mean, the internet is so vast. It's almost, you can't, you can't, <laughs> you can't you know, force everyone to think rationally and logically and, uh, about certain topics. And, and actually it might. So I think it's, it's multiple things that we can try to do. So as far as social media is concerned, uh, like Facebook and Twitter, they can use their or Google, they can use their, uh, their algorithms to like so so Dominique asked about you know if someone shares an article is there going to be like people fact checking every single article I don't think you have to do that necessarily that's the power of machine learning so you can just have the algorithm pick out phrases or words and then when they post the article it'll automatically post or it'll it'll automatically uh have like little fact checking articles underneath it if it thinks that's what the article is about so I mean, it's something maybe you it's something you could do. So that's, that's the only thing I can think of at the moment. From a human standpoint, I think that 
Uh, maybe it can start in schools. Maybe at an early age, we can start having curriculum that includes learning about uh, logical fallacies. You know, what you know, what is a straw man argument? What is a uh, you know what 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 and learning how to fact check things like that should probably be a part of an actual class. Like an exercise should be to fact check an article. No, no, go to go to Fox News or MSNBC and fact check one of those articles. And then that way, it'll get children learning, you know, it'll get them thinking about how to think critically about something and making sure something is true, even if even if they agree with the with the uh, the logic behind it or they, they agree with the sentiment behind it. So that way, maybe we can kind of raise up a whole new generation of people who are used to fat checking who are used to think thinking critically but i don't i mean that's gonna i mean that's gonna obviously start at the school level at the Ooh, hello well yeah i mean that's i mean it sounds it sounds good right but think about how slow change happened for the positive in this country especially when if you look at the the population is like because of gerrymandering, you would think that it's like about 50-50 as far as conservative and liberal in this country, but it absolutely is not. And uh, it's not not not, not that I, like I'm, I'm a, I consider myself a liberal, uh, but I'm conservative on some things. But if it were to be a true democracy, which there's not really a such thing, but the whole thing with this country is the people that are in power currently are only really concerned with being in power, and so they do things that don't really benefit the country, they benefit them prolonging themselves in power. And so those, those kind of things, educating people on what fake news quote really is um, and, and what, you know, what fact checking is and what, you know, what, what the political consequences of lying should be, those kind of classes, they don't benefit the people that are currently in power. So they wouldn't do it. Like, you know what I mean? And, and honestly, hopefully this blue tsunami they say is coming is coming. Uh, because if it doesn't come, this it, this it's looking real bleak, y'all. You saw that uh, uh, the envi- environmental scientists say we got like twenty good years left. Oh yeah, yeah. for for um, the global warming and stuff, climate change. And there's people that just decide not to believe that. And I guess I get that because we were supposed to be uh, we were supposed to be out of here in 2020 if they didn't change nothing. And they keep pushing, they keep moving the goal line back. But uh, eventually, somebody gonna be right. <laughs> yeah, I think um, I think the other thing is is that uh, you know, in terms of preparing, and I think Dave had a really good point in terms of really starting to get you know the next generation of of children and kids and young adults back into the habit of logical thinking, critical thinking, and I think. One of the back, one of the the negative byproducts of the advent of social media is the absence of that, absence of being able to form, you know, constructive dialogue or to be able to form, you know, coherent arguments or even the research. You know, it's just it's been one of those things where, you know, the tools are very are positive when they're there. But they're not. Um, it's had a really detrimental effect, you know, and um, this even extends to our, you know, to our buddy in the Oval Office, you know, it's just, I mean, the fact that, you know, this guy is, uh, and I mean, me and, you know, Dave and myself are security guys, so listening to this dude, you know, 
using unsecured cell phones and talking White House business in the Oval Office over an unsecured cell phone. Um, that's just a. I don't know what. I don't know how to quantify that. You know, I just. I just don't. You know, well, I mean, as somebody a, <laughs> that had to. <laughs> that's a totally different issue, right there. I mean, you. <laughs> I mean, you have someone yeah, who, I mean, who's who's literally uh, getting told by his advisors, like, "Sir, stop using your iPhone," <laughs> but he refuses yeah, to do exactly. it. Like, so. <laughs> and I think that kind of ties into this conversation because, you know, uh, a personality like that, you know, who has his own echo chamber and thinks, you know, pretty much everything he says or does is kind of gospel, you know, kind of. Um, it kind of reflects on the type of interactions they have on social media. Social media, you know. I mean, like, I mean, like I said, a good example is this dude's like, oh well, I talk in my iPhone all the time, and, and uh, the Chinese and the Russians are, you know, they they've always had problems listening in on my iPhone. It's like, great, thanks. You're talking about classified material <laughs> as a sitting president of the United States over an unsecured line. What kind of, yeah, never mind, you know, that sort of thing. And it's just, uh, it's one of those things where um, being able to to critically think, you know, is a very, it's, it's becoming very rare. And I hate to say it, but sometimes our interactions on social media, you know, hasten that, depending on conversations and depending on, you know, what we're really addressing. Wait, is, is someone doing something? It sounds like someone's chopping something up. <laughs> nah. Oh. <laughs> um, but, I mean, to, to continue the conversation, um, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, you have a whole generation of kids who are growing up, and they're main interaction throughout their entire lives have had you know have been social media and uh technology like i mean like my daughter you know she uh i think she first i think we first gave her an ipad like a few years ago um maybe like three years ago or something like that so like she's 10 now so let's so you know imagine if you're seven years old and you know you have this ipad and that's kind of what you've grown up on and so now you're so you're used to being with you're used to being being able to have media like right like you know at a snap of a finger like you don't have to wait through commercials you don't have to look at a TV guy you can just go on Netflix or YouTube and just you know watch whatever you want and so I, maybe that contributes to the lack of critical thinking because it's not immediate it's you know they can't get answers like right now it, it maybe that hinders people from really thinking like stopping and thinking about things and not having it immediately there for, I don't know. I mean, the irony is that you have Google, so you technically do have it, but, (laughs) uh, but I think it just, I don't know. It starts at the school level. It starts at the parental level, but you know, if the parents themselves aren't doing that, then, you know, what hope do the kids have? (laughs) So, um, I, I know, I'm definitely going to teach my own daughter and any future children that we hopefully have that, you know, you, 
you have to think about why things are. You just can't think about the things that they, the fact that they're there. You know, why are they there? Why do people think the way they do? The way they do. I mean, if you have someone who who thinks something that's different from you, or okay, why do they think that way? Is there any truth to what they're saying? You know, you might disagree with them initially, but if they explain themselves and give enough facts and and actually sound logical. You might actually want to change your opinion. I mean, I've changed my opinion on a bunch of stuff due to, you know, due to what uh, talking to people. And ironically, because of the people I follow on Facebook, my opinions have actually changed about a few things just because of following them and kind of being influenced by the some of the people I've been uh, in my circle or whatnot. But especially when it comes to like social justice and stuff like that. But um uh, so I don't know. I don't. I don't know what the solution is, or if there are what multiple solutions there are. I think it just means that we just need to. Uh, it's a generational thing, and that the more that we try to encourage critical thinking from a young age, maybe maybe in ten years <laughs> we'll have a better climate of of critical thinking and logic and logic. Well, I think. Um... I think that's true to an extent. I think uh, one of the things that we have to really be cognizant of um, in terms of our interactions with each other and with folks that we disagree with, um, you know, is just that. It's being able to say, hey, look, you know, yeah, I don't agree with you, but at the same time, I can put together a sound, you know, we can, we can have discourse. And that discourse doesn't have to be vicious. It doesn't have to be uh, disrespectful toward each other. You know, it can be a facts-based discourse. That's that is um is in sore need. You know, and I think now what we you know and I'll be frank. You know, folks. You know, there are going to be you know certain demographics of people that are simply not going to embrace discourse. They just aren't. You know, they're too ingrained in their ways and, you know, they'd rather, you know, eat a hornet's nest rather than engage in discourse. But, you know, for those of us that are, you know, that's something that that needs to be, you know, we need to be proactive about. And I mean, like, and, you know, they, you're right. A lot of, you know, a lot of um, a lot of my interactions as it pertains to social media, you know, everything, every, you know, everyone's different and everyone's a learning experience because you get the opportunity to see multiple sides, you know, multiple points of view, and you get a chance to view things from a prism outside of your own. And that is, you know, that's the key. That's the key to any sort of constructive dialogue, you know, and again, you know, social media and, and, you know, the technology behind it has really, you know, enabled us to really take that either way. You know, it can be a really, really powerful, you know, powerful force for very positive change and enlightenment. But at the same time, it can be, you know, quite the opposite, you know. And then there are going to be ideologies that we simply, you know, we simply don't feel we're not agreeing with that are going to have access to that platform too and that's simply something that we have to get used to and well, I think it's okay to disagree with people it's not okay to uh, 
like it's it's your right to do as as a free human being. It's your right to share whatever foolishness you want to share, but it's not it's not like okay to be out here sharing lies and you know like proliferating all this bad information that people are you know people are out here doing because at, at, in in the, in the grand scheme of things. It doesn't really matter. Like it does. Nobody really changes their mind about it. Like Dave said, some you can be influenced, right? But Dave's not gonna wake up tomorrow and be like, "Yo, abortions are dope." <laughs> yeah, and that's and that's that's okay. Like that's okay. It's his, it's his right to feel that way. That is not okay. It's, his, it's but it he he all you do is all you have is one vote. You got your one vote. Make your one vote count. If you want to vote against uh against things that make abortion happen more often then vote against those things and if at the end of the day if what they say is you know people people feel that they they want access to more abortions for if that's the thing then let's let's let them you know like we got to say it's okay for them to have it you know because that's the system that we've agreed that we're all in and and the well, thing I is I, you know people you know, I and I don't want to necessarily have a have a debate on abortion, but let, let's take that topic, right? And so an example would be you have someone who's pro-choice who believes a woman should be able to have an abortion, right? And then you have a pro-life person that believes that uh, that the child's life should be spared at any cost. So, well, I won't say at any cost, but it should be a, of the utmost importance. So, all right, if they ha- if they're if they're diametrically opposed in that sense, all right, what is something that they could agree on that they can work towards? Let's say uh, increasing access to women's health so that they can maybe get better health care. So maybe they won't even need an abortion or maybe make adoption a whole lot easier for. I'm sorry, I'm a little I'm kind of biased in that in that. But uh, make abo- make adoption a lot easier so that maybe women have a have a choice to actually choose adoption because maybe maybe they want to keep the baby or maybe they want to give it up for adoption. But it's so hard to actually do that. That they, you know, they just choose abortion because what? Why go through the whole point of going through the system, or why put my child in this broken adoption system or foster care system, and they're just going to languish and they're just going to, you know, go and get in some some household where they're treated badly or or abused. So I understand that viewpoint. I totally get that. So it's like, all right, we both agree that the foster care and adoption system is broken. Let's fix that, <laughs> and maybe that'll lower the abortion rates. That might not it it might not. Um, get rid of it there are always going to be women who want an abortion but it, you know can we agree that we can lower though lower the uh raise the adoption rate and lower the abortion rate if we can agree on that then we then that's where the real dialogue starts now we can actually have go back real... to the the contraception and teaching contraception right so like if you, you stop you had, it from even being a baby right you know greater access to contraceptives actually teaching people hey if you're going to do this Wear a condom. Like, you know, <laughs> so, like, we can agree on that. So if we agree on that, now all right, now we can try to uh, work towards that. And ironically, we might both get what we want in that in that aspect. So I don't know. I, I mean, I, you know, I'm not, that's not a topic I usually try to debate, but I figure that's something that people could try to uh, have some kind of common ground on. But the, the problem is a lot of people on either side, liberal, conservative, whoever, a lot of people are afraid of having their biases challenged. Like you have you have your beliefs, 
But if something goes against those beliefs, we're, we, I, and I think there's a technical term for it, like a psychological term for it. I forgot what it's called. But um, cognitive dissonance, what, I, think, I think that's what it is. So, like, if, some, if there are facts that go against what you believe, then it's hard for people to wrap their wrap their heads around that and so they kind of entrench themselves in their own beliefs so they don't have to worry about things or they don't have to worry about viewpoints that go against it and then you create that whole echo chamber and you're just kind of stuck there yeah i agree i mean i i think um yeah i mean echo chambers are a problem they're always going to be a problem i mean it's just i mean people are passionate about what they believe and a lot of times that translates into the inability to view, you know, things from any other prism other than their own. And that is a problem. You know, I think uh, a lot of times when we talk about hot button topics like abortion or, you know, for, you know, for the framework of this conversation, let's say, you know, accountability of law enforcement, you know, that's a really hot button topic. I mean, that's a, speaking for myself, you know, that's a topic that I've had some personal interaction with. So it's just, that's, you know, how law enforcement conducts themselves and how accountable they are when they're not doing the things that they're supposed to do. Um, It's a pretty powerful thing to talk about. And it's something, you know, that's indicative of, of the discussion that we're having tonight because, you know, that's one of those topics where your personal experience is going to really have a dramatic effect on how you view, you know, opinion and how you view, um, how you view people that don't agree with you. You know, it's just a, I mean, it's just a, it's a reality. And I think that the big thing is, is, like Dave said, is trying to actually find that middle ground to, you know, to start discourse and to start viewing people, you know, in another light as opposed to, you know, something, somebody that's diametrically opposed to what you believe in. Right. So, you, so you, you know what I'm going to do? And it's also kind of a plug. So, <laughs> so you all know we have uh, <laughs> our Facebook group, uh, the Black Techies Collective. If you're listening to this podcast and you disagree with what any of us says, I would urge you to join the Black Techies Collective and ask your question in a respectful way, of course. And like one of us, if you, one of us will dialogue with you, if you if you genuinely want to know about something or know why we believe something, you know why why are we so concerned about you know social justice? Like why do why do we care about that? Why do we keep you know why do we call ourselves the Black Techies? Why not just the Techies? You know like. If you have those kind of questions, don't be afraid to ask them. Just be willing to learn and grow from it. That's all that's all I ask. Like I don't mind if you have a question about something like I don't mind if you have a question about something um that you're opposed to. I just care that you have an open mind to actually receive what we're saying and understand it. Even if you even if at the end you don't agree with it, you can at least come away with it saying, All right, well I don't agree with you but I understand why you believe that and I respect your opinion. So yeah, that's that's yeah, what that, I was saying. That so, sentence yeah. right there would save this country. It would save this world. Oh my gosh. <laughs> you have no idea. <laughs> it would literally save the country. 
Because I honestly, Dave, you my guy. I don't be, I don't agree with you a lot on in, in, with your political views, right? But I know yours come from a place you really believe what you believe, and you don't believe what you believe from a place of oppression or from a place of like you believe what you believe because you believe that's what you like you that's what you believe. Uh, and and I can get behind that. You know what I'm saying? Like it, it's it's a it, it's crazy that we can't just. Why, why can't we all just get along, man? <laughs> yeah, man. It's like the, it's like the Hatfields and McCoys, man. It's like, you know, hey, I like putting butter and sugar in my grits. Some folks don't, <laughs> and folks be ready to rumble over it. But no, you know, if, if you put I sugar mean, in your grits, you're always wrong. I don't care what you think. But uh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I think grits. I think grits are all-purpose, bro. <laughs> grits are multi-purpose. So. But yeah, I mean, I think that's, I, I mean, I think that's a really good, um, that's a really good, you know, segue to kind of get into, um, you know, how we go forward, you know, and I think technology is at the, obviously at the, you know, the forefront of that, it's at the crux of it. And I think one thing about this generation of, of um, young adults that are coming up you know, they are very, very, very perceptive as to, you know, what the climate is and, you know, that, hey, I'm, you know, we're not really going to deal with that. And I think accountability is starting to become a really big thing, um, you know, particularly for past, you know, for past generations. I know the folks that are in the baby boomer generation are starting to catch, you know, just, you know, they're, they're starting to catch those fades simply because, you know, a lot of the policies that, you know, that have been enacted during that period of time, you know, millennials are like, oh, okay, what the hell were you, what the hell were you guys thinking? You know, that sort of thing. And it's just, uh, you know, I mean, I think that's the natural course of that type of discourse also, you know. Um, and I think technology, obviously, is going to be at the forefront of it. Um, I, I wonder, I mean, we, we've kind of, Kind of waded into into uh, solutions, and I, and from a from a technological technological standpoint, uh, I mean, I'm, I hope that we can use our own platform. I mean, as small as it is, um, as well as small as it is, but it is growing. Uh, we do have like a hundred and seven people, I think, in the in the yeah. group now. Uh, <laughs> I mean, listen to us, listen to us. <laughs> Yeah, man. Listen to us, please. Pass the word. Yeah, now you can <laughs> right. continue, Dave. No, I mean, I'm hoping that we can use our platform as a way to kind of, like, be a beacon of light. <laughs> I don't know. Like, to show people, all right, you have these three black guys here who may not agree on everything, but you know what? They they go on this podcast, and they talk about technology, and they hash it out. Like, it's okay to disagree with, with people. Like like Dominique said, it's okay to, to disagree with someone. You have a right to disagree with someone, but... As, as a human being, in this country especially, you have a responsibility to make sure that what you post, what you share on the internet is factual and that you have some kind of rational basis behind it. I mean, uh, and you know, and, you know I, I'm going to say this to all the, my fellow conservatives out there. Like, if you're going to vote for a person who consistently lies, who literally has... The uh, I think PolitiFact's like highest amount of lies or whatever ever. Like if you're going to vote for someone like that, you have to 
consider like, all right, he might say a few things that you agree with, but you can't separate those few nuggets of of truth. <laughs> you can't separate that from all the other stuff that that candidate does. So I don't know. <laughs> if you're going to, yeah. if if you're going, are you to, talking about anybody in particular? You know, as I'm going to abide by the Hatch Act and not say anything. <laughs> In full disclosure, I am a federal employee of the United States government, so I will not engage in any slander towards any political office. However, well, I will say that um, that is incumbent on all of us to, to one keep our keep our friends and family accountable to what they post. Because I will do that. I will. I will. <laughs> I, I routinely point out inaccurate uh, uh, links and posts and memes that people put on Facebook. Um, <laughs> it's like a full-time job, I swear. Uh, but not even just them, like elected officials. Like I almost think there should be a law where anything that an elected official posts on social media should automatically be, be vetted by someone. And I don't know. I also think there should be term limits for everyone. That would also eliminate a lot of problems i think <laughs> but uh yeah man because this wasn't meant to be a full time like this wasn't meant to be a career right public right. service was not meant to be something that you do for the rest of your life exactly and i don't believe that anybody can keep their hands clean 20 years in this game i don't think anybody can keep their hands that clean for 20 years and you can just see the dirt it's just like it's just it's ugh, it's so filthy the corruption that's in this office and like everybody just everybody's playing a part in it because everybody benefits from it. So, like, it's hard to call out something that you can see yourself doing in a couple of years. So, I don't know. I don't really know what the pro what the answer is. I know what the problem is. <laughs> well, I will say, I will give a, a recommendation. Not, I mean, some of my liberal friends might not like it. I don't know. But, so, I just finished reading uh, John McCain's last book, uh, The Restless Wave. And, like, even if you are like a liberal, like read his book. Like seriously, read John McCain's book, and I think you will be pleasantly surprised with his views. And like, yeah, you know, he's a conservative. Conservative. He's a Republican. But there's a reason why he was called a maverick. So, like, he even. So, I don't know if a lot he of people. He saved healthcare. <laughs> is that, is that, so the re, his reasoning behind that wasn't what a lot of Democrats thought it was, but but uh, but I, right. I'll take I'll take the election in, in two thousand eight, right? So originally he didn't want Sarah Palin; he actually wanted uh, Joe Lieberman to be his running mate because he, his his thought process was, well, if I get someone that's a Democrat, or well, he was independent technically, but if I get someone who's technically on the other side of the fence as me, and we run as a joint ticket. It'll hopefully it'll kind of bring America together and, and show that, you know, we're in solidarity and that even though Joe Lieberman has different views than I do, I'm putting him on my presidential ticket to show that, you know, what we're going to we're going to uh, debate this thing and we're going to come to a consensus because John McCain honestly thought that the only way to to govern the United States in particular is to have consensus. He never believed in trying to do it one way. And that's it. Like he never tried to go at full conservative. He was always like, you know, I know Democrats aren't going to like this, so let's let me talk to these Democrats and try to get something working out. That's why he voted against. That's part of the reason why he voted against the uh, uh, voted against the Republican repeal of Obamacare because he was like, that's not the way to do it because he knew that the plan that the Republicans had was was crap. 
And so he was like, what we need to do is And have he a also didn't like, what he said was he didn't like that, the process. Right. The way they tried to jam it through the way they did. Like, he, yeah, he, did, he wasn't like that. So I would definitely recommend you all to read John McCain's book. And I think you will come back pleasantly surprised and saddened at the fact that he's dead and that there's no one that's in currently in office <laughs> that's like him <laughs> so like we we need more john mccain's out there like seriously or heck i'll take uh what's his face in texas beto o'rourke like get him in office <laughs> like he seems he seems to be one of the one of the most at least on, on the liberal side he seems to be one of the most conciliatory conciliatory i don't know uh folks I know that is running. Like he seems to legit, legitimately want to bring the country together and not try to just simply divide it and just cast conservatives as like demons. <laughs> and so I don't know. Right. Like that's the problem. Well, we, think, we demonize everyone. That's that's the issue. But it's so hard not to right now because of what they're allowing, what they're being complete. Like I, I like, and I I know because I know you are my example of like somebody that's conservative and not evil like like because i know you i wow. know that not all republicans or i should say not all conservatives because i don't know if you identify necessarily as a republican i don't but uh because of you i know that just because you're conservative doesn't mean you're racist doesn't mean you're dumb doesn't mean like so i know that you're not those things so i can i can, I can rock you know what i mean uh but sans you it really seemed like a bunch of, and of course, it's you know I, I surround myself with a bunch of like-minded people for the most part, and so I, it's like like it's an echo chamber, right? I hear what I like to hear because that's what I like to hear, and that's what the people that I keep around me, right? And so, but like I said, sans you, it really seems like a bunch of people who are racist and uh, bigoted and just just really not good people, and so, you know, it, it's it's tough to to not demonize because it really does it feels like they sometimes they start to feel like demons i mean i'll i'll agree with you i mean especially as a as a, as a more i mean i consider myself more of a like a moderate conservative libertarian i don't know <laughs> but uh <laughs> but uh like what? <laughs> i know right it sounds all <laughs> but uh <laughs> it's like i have i, I have views from like different political spectrum i'm not like just straight conservative like i don't know uh like i'm not actually opposed to universal health care i just believe we should do it in a way that doesn't you know blow up our 21 trillion dollar deficit or debt rather so um that's that's my only that's my real knock against universal quick healthcare. side note on that though we don't seem to care about how we pay for anything else we don't seem to care about how we pay for um, uh, military, these this unlimited, this infinite war we've been in. We've been in an infinity war since 2000. Uh, <laughs> we don't, we don't seem that we don't. Ask, the only time we ever ask how can we afford to pay for this is when it's something that helps poor people. That's the only time we ever education and and healthcare are the only two things where we ever say how are we gonna pay for this though. And the, the people that are asking how we're going to pay for it are people who don't want to pay for it. They gave rich people a tw like a $12 trillion tax cut, and then basically they, they just were like, hey, it'll pay for itself. And then six months later, they're like, hey, if we win this midterm election, we're definitely going to be cutting Medicaid and all that stuff to pay for this thing. That we told y'all, like, we, we told you everybody was going to benefit from this. Of course not everybody's going to benefit from this. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's ugh. It, like I said, it's really hard not to demonize them. When you see the moves that they've been making, it really seems 
bad. Right. It seemed bad and like they didn't have anybody uh, 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 like well-being when they made the choices that they made. No, I anybody mean, except for the top one percent. You know? I mean, I, I agree with you. I mean, they, they the, the Republicans. You know, they they can they consistently try to cast themselves as fiscally fiscally responsible and con- fiscally conservative and all that kind of stuff. That you know, we're going to cut deficits and all that. That's what they campaigned on when Obama was in office. But now that they're in office, what have they done? They've actually driven up the deficit by cutting taxes without cutting spending at the same time. And basic economy will economists will tell you no. Basic math will tell you that if you <laughs> if you spend more than you take in, you're going to get a deficit. And if you cut tax that's less revenue that the government has, which is going to drive up deficits even more. Like, I mean, it's and then, like you said, we have all of these bases in, around the world. We have we spend all this money on the military around the world, but <laughs> no, no one wants to, no one wants to cut anything. No one wants to have any kind of spending cuts. And it's saying, don't you think these rich people deserve to keep all of their money? They work so hard for it. I mean, I think everyone deserves to keep their money, but there's there's a better way to do it. <laughs> Well, I think I think one thing that you guys just touched touched upon, and I'll say this also as a veteran, um, is that you know, and this is kind of diving into something, you know, some other future potential topics, but you know how we how we think about what we prioritize um, as it pertains to our development in this country is askew, you know. It really is. It's just, you know, and I'm talking just the whole gamut, whether it's, whether it's, you know, modernizing our infrastructure or, you know, modernizing the power grid. So, you know, some, you know, somebody, you know, that, that has a grudge against the, against the states, you know, doesn't decide he wants to you know, introduce a worm that's going to crash our power grid or, or, you know, just a number of things in terms of how we, what we view as priorities, you know, and what we view as um, things that will help, you know, the the common good or the greater good in this country, whether that's healthcare, whether that's modernizing again our infrastructure and modernizing the way that we that we teach that we you know learn everything. It's just a it's a real, you know, it's a real testament to where our priorities lie, and it's really screwed up. So on that note, I think I'm going to end it there. I think that was actually a great uh, a great ending. So I think the lesson that we can all uh, take from this is that, fam, you sucks. That's what we can all agree on. All right, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> My bad for anyone who who who's, uh, who went to family who's listening to the podcast. You all are great people, but um. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> Tracy. Yeah, we know. <laughs> My bad. But uh, I'll, I'll, I'll go ahead and and wind it on down there because at the time of this podcast, it's like ten thirty six p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and I gotta wake up early. So, uh, <laughs> but uh, it was great having great having this discussion, uh, and I, I literally thank you all for being on here and trying to make sense of our of how technology technology is affecting our political discourse and i hope that other people can kind of follow our our um our our leading here in in how they interact with other people and just i just want people to know if you're listening to this like it's it's okay to disagree to disagree with someone just make sure that it, you're 
you're not disagreeable. Actually, I think that's an Obama quote. But um, <laughs> but uh, like it's okay to disagree with someone, just but just be open to talking with that person and having a, a critical thinking discussion with them. That you know you're open to what they're saying, and maybe just maybe you might actually agree with a little bit of what they're saying. So, uh, but uh, on that on that note, you all have any any last words before we go? Uh, yeah, I do. Um, first, again, to everybody that's in within earshot of our podcast, thank you for being really supportive of our process of growing an audience and and just following through the growing pains for the podcast. It's uh, something that all three of us, as well as the other core members of the techies, really, really appreciate. And, you know, we're going to be, you know, we've got some pretty exciting things coming up on, you know, down the pike. So, um, I know just speaking for myself, there's some, you know, for those folks that are in the collective, uh, thank you guys for joining the collective. We're going to be ramping up a ton of content for you guys, as well as people that are outside of the collective. So, um, thank you. And I'll give my obligatory Christy Walker shout out. Yeah. Yeah. We're thinking about you. We love you guys. HBCUs, you know, <laughs> the fifth, everything. We love y'all. <laughs> um so we got a couple weeks i hopefully you guys are already registered to vote it's too late in most states to register if you haven't already but everybody who is uh if you don't know if you are there's a website called vote save america and although the people that run that website are liberal leaning well they're just straight liberals they used to work for obama but the <laughs> <laughs> the the point the, the point is not that to make you vote liberal the point is just to get you to vote right so everybody vote uh if you want to check and see what's going to be on your ballot and have your ballot explained the website vote save america will explain what's on the ballot and help you uh figure all that out and um you know with that being said man election day is november 6th a lot of places have early voting so go ahead and get your voting out of the way i'm doing mine tomorrow i'm going to go vote tomorrow uh we can't keep talking about it if we're not going to do nothing about it uh so please get out and vote and just know that every single day that you wake up right i want everybody to go have a blessed week have a blessed month years almost up y'all 2018 almost in the books and who would have thought we would have made it this far when you looked at when you woke up on Jan in january of 2016 with that dude being sworn in and you thought you was you thought it was a game, right? You looked, you woke up, you was like, man, this dude ain't get elected, man. They, this is the biggest game of punks ever, right? But no, he really did get elected. And it's, it's, it is what it is, right? We survived, kind of, uh, mostly due to his incompetence. Uh, and so in the end, every day you wake up, you're closer and closer to this dude not be your president. This is uh, the Black Deku, a.k.a. Young T'Challa, signing off. I'm going to at y'all. <laughs> all right you all i <laughs> know uh, uh oh wait you all um make sure you, you follow us on our website theblacktechies.com our facebook page uh facebook.com slash theblacktechies and of course follow uh join our group the black techies collective uh you can follow me at, at packet stiller if you care about what i talk about on twitter uh <laughs> but uh so until next time hell wakanda hell wakanda yes. wakanda forever Yep, no Starbucks in Wakanda. Thank you.